dangerous right over here. I'm going to have you guys kind of stand here and face the congregation. And I'm glad, to, I'm glad you guys are, are helping us tonight. Glad, glad, you, glad you guys are helping us today. We really appreciate this. Isn't that a great looking group, huh? Amen. 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 If you, do, you, do, you, do you want to help or do you want to, do you want to help us? Okay, super. Here we go. I'm, I'm going to tell you what, Eddie, i got a special job for you. Come on over. I want you to hold the mic. Will you be able to do that? Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is you'll hold the mic, and what you'll do is when, when like, Cole, when he reads, all you're going to do is hold it up to his chin. I need somebody to do that for me. Can you do that? Yeah. That would be awesome. I appreciate that. Okay, so what we're going to do here real quick is I want to talk about some things today, all right? I want to talk about the baby Jesus, and we've got a manger, we've got a cross, and anybody know what this is over here? Everybody? A throne. So here's baby Jesus, and I want you guys to know that what we're going to do is we're going to journey because Jesus was a child, but he didn't stay a child, right? So we're going to journey from that. So I want to, I want to have you just, you're, I'm going to have you read this. We're going to talk about the journey. Would you be able to read? Would you read for me? And when we, when we get a chance, we're going to just go on a little journey. Okay? And you guys are awesome. Okay. I got my partner. You're my partner, right? All right. Give me a pound. Let's go. We're good. <laughs> okay. So here's baby Jesus. And a lot of times we look at the things and we hear about the Jesus story. And we talk about, you know, Jesus. And, and we talk about the baby. Baby Jesus. I remember there was a movie, Justin. Remember it was like, baby Jesus, baby Jesus. Who was that guy? Will Ferrell or something in that movie. And he talked about Talladega Nights. And he talked about baby Jesus, baby Jesus. And he actually did a prayer, a prayer for baby Jesus. Not very biblical, but it was pretty funny anyway. So what we did is uh, I wanted to take a look at some things. So I want to take us on a journey. Will you go on a journey with us this morning? Will you go on a journey with the 5th and 6th graders and us this morning? So we're going to take a journey from the manger to the cross and from the cross to the throne. From the manger to the and the cross to the... Okay. So we're going to start off here. Here's baby Jesus. Right? Cole? You want to hold, just hold it up to him? There you go. You got to look at him and be, be like, a, there you go, that a boy. Jesus, from child to manhood, born in Bethlehem, shepherds came to see Jesus. After eight days, went to Jerusalem for circumcision. Simon got to see Jesus, just, had got, just as God had promised. So we saw the shepherds. They came to see Jesus. He was born in where? Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. He wasn't, he wasn't from Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. Actually, he was from Nazareth. And we know that Nazareth is actually about 75 miles from Bethlehem. So Mary and Joseph had to travel. Did you realize that they had to travel 75 miles? Anybody know what's 75 miles from here? Anything? Elk City, 75 miles. Where else? Enid, 75 miles, something like that. So it would be like traveling from here to Enid. Okay, next. Just you can walk right over there to her. That a boy. Thank you. Very good job. Thank you. Wise men seek Jesus. A little bit closer so she can so we can all hear her. Just about right there at her chin. Nice job. Jesus was six to twelve months old when they came to see him. They were in a house. 
Matthew Seckett calls him a child, presented him gifts. So basically, she said what? He was 6 to 12 months old when they, when they came to see him. So you know what? We're going to move from here right over to here. Okay? So Cole, we're going to ask you to come over here. We're moving away from the, thro- from, the, from the manger. Do you know why? You ever seen the Christmas cards and the wise men are there? Biblically, the wise men weren't there. They weren't there at his birth. If you'll read the scriptures, it talks a little bit about him being a child when the wise men came. Not a baby, but a child. So see, in, in Jewish tradition, what they would do is if a, if a child was 12 months or older, they would say two years. So if a child was 12 months or older, you know how you go like, I'm one and a half, or I'm ten and a half, or I'm 14 and a half? If they were 12 months or older, they would say two years. So basically from what she said was that, that we can see that they were in a house. They were no longer at the manger, but they had transitioned to their house. Mary and Joseph had a house. Jesus had a house. Okay. Also what we able to get, begin to see was in Matthew chapter 2, he, called, he went from calling the babe in the manger to a child. Say a child. So we began to see some things transition. So now we're going to, let's move a step farther this way. Okay? So we're moving away. You can come, on, come over, Eddie. We're moving away. So what happened is when the baby was born, then he said Simeon actually got to see Jesus. Simeon had prayed and the Lord had told him, you will see the Messiah before you die. And when they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to be circumcised, guess what? Simeon got the confirmation of the Lord, actually got to see Jesus. Okay? Okay? Come on up. I want, before you, before you, you, you share what you've got, I want us to put up a scripture. Let's put up a scripture because a lot of times we think it's just baby Jesus, baby Jesus. So I want to put up Luke. I want to look up, put, put up chapter 2, verse 40. You got that, guys? Luke 2, 40. They're back there having a conversation back there. There we go. It says right here, the child continued to grow. Can you see that? The child continued to grow and became in strong, increasing in what? Wisdom. He was increasing in wisdom. He was also, and, and guess what? The grace of God, say the grace of God. The grace of God was upon him. Okay, That Greek word, next slide, Kev. That Greek word is literary and it means God's favor, the grace of God, the goodness of God, His favor. So we can look at that and see that the child continued to grow and he became strong and there was wisdom and the grace of God, the goodness of God, the favor of God. Say favor. Fake God's favor, His favor was upon Him. So we can see Jesus moving from the babe who was laying in the manger, becoming a child, kind of like you growing up. You know what I mean? You're, getting, you're growing up. You're getting a little stronger. You're growing, and the favor of God was upon you. Eddie, you want to have, she's going to read hers. Can you bring that mic over here so we can all hear her? Thank you very much. The flight to Egypt. Okay, a little bit closer. The flight to Egypt. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and told them to leave. They left that night. Angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus returned home to Nazareth. So we see literally 
that Jesus is growing. Let's move this way, guys. We're moving a little bit closer to the cross. We see that Jesus is growing up. He's gaining stature. They went to Egypt. How many of you know it cost them some money to go to Egypt? Right? But before they went to Egypt, guess what? The wise men came. And the wise men came and did what? They gave them gifts. Now, some people are like, well, you know, you know, have you ever heard the song, We Three Kings of Orion Are? You know, We Three Kings of Orion the, the wise men were not actually kings. They were actually astronomers. They were actually stargazers. They were actually people that began, that knew how to be able to read the signs in the sky. And when they saw that, that's what they were headed for. How many of you know, if you're coming to the, the king of kings and the lord of lords, you're going to bring more than just a box of cinnamon? I heard it put one, one, one time that if they were coming to a king, that you would have a gift. They were coming to a king, and they were giving a gift. Now, let me ask you a question. If Delbert comes to a king, and he's got a, a, a cart of gold, do you think the king will receive him? What do you guys think? you think the king will receive him? What about if Shelly comes to the king and she's just got a quarter? Who do you think the king's going to receive first? Right, going to receive Delbert. Why? Because actually he has a great gift. So favor can come from that. Even when the scripture says a gift will precede you, that a gift will open up doors. A gift will allow you to honor someone in the way that they should be honored. So they brought gold. Right? What else did they bring? Spices. The frankincense and myrrh were both spices. Do you know what the gold stands for? It stands for surety. It stands for steadfastness. Gold is something that's not going to just wash away. It's not going to go down the drain. So if you've got a bar of gold, they came and they brought him money. They brought him the gold. They brought him the frankincense and myrrh. Do you know the frankincense is like a, it, it's, it's a burned incense that you can smell it. It's a f- sweet-smelling fragrance. Anybody know that our worship to the Lord is what? A sweet-smelling fragrance. How about myrrh? Myrrh itself is, like he said, a spice. That myrrh itself that they brought with just gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that myrrh was used for a burial. Did you know that? When they buried somebody, they would put spices on them and to preserve. So you can see that in what the wise men brought to Jesus. So we see where he was born in Bethlehem. We see where the wise men came to seek him, not at the stable but at his house. Then after that, where did he go? They went to Egypt. They went to Egypt for a while. Joseph, the angel, had, had told Joseph when to leave. They left at night. That's what you'd said. They left at night. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, go back home. It's time to go back home. Okay? So we're moving along here. Eddie, come on over here with me, please. So we're going to look at Jesus when he was 12 years old at the temple. How old are you? I don't know. Ask my mom. She's how, how old? Are, you're 12, right? Did you know that Jesus was 12 years old and they found him in the temple? Did you realize that? Did you know that? You're the same age right now that Jesus was when they found him in the temple, okay? She's going to go ahead and read next. 
Jesus and his manhood had four brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, Jude, and Simon, also had six sisters. Jesus helped provide for his family. Jesus, around 30 years old, stepped into his divine commission. So we basically hear from Jesus at 12. And we don't hear much in the Bible. The Bible doesn't record. So we're going to move over this way, guys, some more. Come on over this way. Eddie, you can come on over this way, too. You can understand we're, we're, getting, we're getting a little closer, aren't we? We're moving away from the manger. We're moving more towards the cross, right? You said that Jesus was 12 years old. You said that, um, that he had four brothers. Did you know that Jesus had four brothers? Yeah. The, he had sisters, too, but the Bible doesn't list them, doesn't tell, about, doesn't tell about the sisters. But if you look at the Bible, it tells about his brothers that he had. And did you know that according to Jewish tradition, when a man became 30 years old, especially Jesus, a man became 30 years old, and Jesus was the firstborn. And there was the firstborn blessing. The firstborn would lead the family. The firstborn would take that leadership and, and, and lead the family, would provide for the family. So what about Joseph? Because the Bible doesn't really tell a whole lot about Joseph, does it? The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Joseph, so we believe, and some other scholars believe, that Joseph died at maybe a fairly young age. So Jesus began to step into leadership of his family. So that's why from 12, there's a significance in the 12 through the Jewish tradition, right, Jackie? And then there's a significance at 30 from that Jewish tradition. Now understand, they believe, we believe that Jesus was born somewhere around 4 B.C. to 2 B.C. Okay, 4, 3, 2, 1, B.C., A.D., 0, 1, 2, 3. You see what I'm getting at? So he would be, this might be around 29 A.D. All right? So we begin to start seeing him move into this. So did you realize that Jesus was 30 and he's 30 years old? We got, a, we got any, are you guys 30? Are you 30? How about you? Are you 30? Are you 30? You 30? Are you 30? How about you? Are you 30? Almost. Almost. <laughs> How about you? Are you 30? No, you're not 30. So we begin to see what it is, is what she said was that Jesus began to move into his destiny. He began to move into those things, move away from being baby Jesus into growing up, becoming a man, becoming wisdom and stature. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says, Jesus kept increased in wisdom and stature and the favor of God and man. That word favor is the same word that we saw before in the other scripture, charis, and it literally means God's favor. It literally means God's graciousness, His goodness. So we can see two different scriptures. There's a different word used, but it's the same word in the Greek. Favor. Say God's goodness. His goodness. There was favor upon Him. Okay? So you're next. Eddie, come on over here, please, sir. Awesome job. She's going she's gonna to read hers. Jesus was baptized. Baptized by John the Baptist. The father identified Jesus as his son. Jesus was tempted by the devil. Okay, so we see what? We've moved into this place. We've seen to the place where Jesus was baptized. Have any of you been baptized yet? Anybody been baptized? Have any of you not been baptized? 
All right, we would love to baptize you next Sunday. If you'll sign up for that sheet, I don't know where that sheet is. If you'll get on there, James, get on there. Let's, let's baptize you. There's some others that want to be baptized too. So Jesus himself was baptized, and we will baptize by uh, submersion. And what we will also do is I got a little bit of water from the Jordan River because Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. When I was in Israel in 2000, I got some water. I still got some water, and it was from the Jordan. So I like to pour a little bit in there, and we'll baptize you, James, in the Jordan River. Amen? Hey, come on. Somebody might like, I want to be baptized again. Hallelujah. I want to I be baptized. So as I was praying and meditating over this and thinking about this message today, I thought, what better way to start off the new year? than to say, you know what, I've not been baptized, I want to be baptized. Or maybe you were baptized as a child and it was just an act of doing something because you and 12 other people decided to go get baptized. You really didn't have a personal experience and relationship with Christ. We want to baptize you and we're going to do that on January 1st. What a way to start out with the baptism. She also, talks, she also talked about the father identified him as his son. Did you know that I believe that this is the first time that the father had identified Jesus as his son and he put his mark on him. The Holy Spirit came down from heaven because the enemy did not know where Jesus was and who he was. Hello? And now all of a sudden, heaven opens up, the voice of God speaks forth and says, this is my what? Son in whom I am well pleased. And just after that, we enter into Matthew chapter 4, where guess what? The Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness, and then after that, he was what? Tempted by the devil. Why wasn't he tempted by the devil before? Just a question, just a thought. Maybe the devil didn't identify and know who he was in the earth until he saw what had taken place through the baptism of Jesus. So we begin to start seeing that identification. Did you guys know that John the Baptist was related to Jesus? Did you know that? I'm telling you here today. John the Baptist was related to Jesus. He was actually a cousin. They were cousins. Do you think as cousins they might have played together? Am I dropping stuff? You think as cousins they might have played together when they were, when they were kids? Yeah. Eddie, come on over here. So Jesus was around 30. He steps into his divine commission. He was tempted by the devil. Now, guess what happened? After he's moving closer, he does what? He begins to... Mario, tell us what he begins to do. Jesus gathers his disciples. First miracle, turned water into wine. Early work was in Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. Yep. So we begin to see what? We begin to see him start gathering his disciples. Now he's going to work with his disciples. He's going around Samaria and Judea and Galilee. And all of a sudden, things begin to start happening. Things are beginning to start to change. All of a sudden, Jesus has moved from the babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger, to now he's a young man of 30 years old. And he's got other disciples that he's teaching and training, that he's working with. He's gathering them. And the first miracle... Did you remember, hear what the first miracle was? You know what the first miracle was? Turned water into wine. They were at a wedding feast, and the wine had run out. And Jesus' mother, Mary, she looked at Jesus, and she was like, why don't you take care of this problem? <laughs> they, were, they were out of it. And Jesus was like, hey, this is not my time yet. So she knew, and it identified there was something special about that boy. 
She knew who he was connected to. She knew what was taking place. And she told the other disciples, she said, look, you guys just do what he wants to do. And he, he saved the best for last. Come on, somebody. He's saving the best for last. You think your days are over? I'm here to tell you the best is yet to come. Oh, come on, somebody. The best is yet to come. No matter where you're at, what you're going through, there's some good stuff ahead of you. Amen? Okay. So now we're going to look at what, what happened because there was a real shifting that took place. And you've got that? You've got about John the Baptist and where he was in prison? Okay. She's going to read that. Get that right up to Sissy's. John the Baptist was in prison. Jesus' ministry explodes when he focuses primarily in Galilee. Crowds began to swell up. Opposition. <coughs> Opposition arises. He is preaching about the kingdom of God. Sings, wonders, and miracles are happening. Calm the sea, cast the out demons, heals the sick, cleans the cleanses, cleanses in the leper, leper, blind see, mute speak, relig- religious leaders see. His increases in power and influence. Jesus is rejected in his own hometown. So we see where things begin to happen. If you would study the word of God, you will begin to see that when John the Baptist was imprisoned, things begin to shift. Things begin to shift. John the Baptist had come to Herod and had sent word to Herod that Herod was messing around with a woman that wasn't his wife. And it was wrong. And Herod had John the Baptist imprisoned. And it's almost like from that point, there was a demarcation there. And from that point forward, things began to shift. Things began to change. Jesus' ministry exploded. Can you guys make like an explosion sound? Hey, let's have an explosion sound. Ready? One, two, three. Boom. It began to explode. Crowds began to swell. Everywhere we would go, there were more and more people around him. How many of you know the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the day began to look at that and they said, what is going on with that? We don't like what's taking place. The, the, the lepers were cleansed. The blind eyes were opened. The mute began to speak. Come on, somebody. There were things that were taking place. The miracles and the signs and the wonders, they began to take place over and over and over again. And the religious leaders, they saw the power and the influence of Jesus increase. He couldn't even preach in his own hometown. Couldn't do miracles in his own hometown because he was rejected in his own hometown. Then Jesus turns around and he sends out the disciples. He sends out the disciples and here's what he does. He says he walks with them, he teaches them, he goes, they go out. They come back, they're doing, aren't they casting out demons and miracles are taking place and they're healing, things are taking place. Miracles continue, say miracles continue. So we've moved away from him, we're going to move over here. I want you guys just to kind of gather around the cross right here. Just kind of gather around the cross right here. So he sends out his disciples. Then Jesus begins to do what? He begins to prepare for his death. He begins to start talking to the disciples about the preparation of his death. These things I'm going to have to suffer. 
These things I'm going to go through. And not only that, he begins to start looking at the disciples and he starts talking to them. And he says, you're going to go through some stuff, Peter. You're going to go through some stuff, John. You're going to go through some stuff, James. And he begins to start talking about those things. He talks about suffering. He prepares the disciples. Guess what? Jesus is close to the cross. And as the closer he got to the cross, some really interesting things happened. Did you know that Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and they went up on a mountain together? Did you know what happened when they got to the mountain? You ever heard of Elijah? You ever heard of Moses? Yeah. All of a sudden, Jesus is on this mountain with Peter, James, and John, and Elijah and Moses shows up. What's that about? Moses was a representation of, remember, we've been studying it, the law. Elijah was a representation of what? The prophets, the prophetic, the law and the prophets, it was coming together. Are you with me? It was coming together. All of a sudden, these, the law and the prophets and Jesus was coming together. Because don't you know that there was the Old Testament? And guess what was fixing to happen? He was fixing to fill, fulfill the Old Testament and bring in the New Testament. So not only, we call it the transfiguration. Can you say that? transfiguration it was a transfiguration Peter and them saw him he's like man let's just hang out here can you imagine how good it must have been for Peter to just say let's just hang out here and let's build some tabernacles and we'll just build some tents and we'll all just hang out here and life will be good how many of you know sometimes you got to keep going turn to your neighbor and say keep going come on tell your neighbor keep going so you got to keep going and what happened then is when that transfiguration took place, Jesus came back, and on the way down, he told him, he said, don't tell anybody about this, not until after I'm gone. The disciples, I don't know if they understood it, but guess what? The Pharisees and the Sadducees said, we're going to get that guy arrested. We're going to get that guy arrested. Not only did he move from there, he began, he returned to Judea just for a little while. That when, he, when he went to the, the Feast of Dedication, he affirmed his own deity. The scripture says, who are you? And he, they said, you're the, you're, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. And Jesus said, I am. Jesus said, I am. He affirmed his own deity. And at that time, things began to start happening. They began, he began to teach and he began to preach about the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. See, when he was talking about the kingdom of God, he was beginning to usher in something that they had heard about, they had read about in the Old Testament. He has a meeting with Elijah. He has a meeting with, with Moses. The law and the prophets are coming together. The Old Testament is beginning to fade away as Jesus is bringing in the New Testament. He returned to Judea. That's where he raised Lazarus from the dead. Anybody know about the, the raising of Lazarus from the dead? Do you know that was a type and shadow, a picture of what was going to happen to Jesus? He was going to be raised from the dead. So he raised Lazarus from the dead. And the plot begins to thicken before they kill Jesus. Okay, let me have those little things. Awesome. Awesome. You want to do another one? <laughs> They're like, nope. Okay, you guys can go be seated. Thank you, Eddie. Let's give the Lord a hand praise for them. Thank you guys very much. Thank you, Eddie. We appreciate it. Let's give Eddie a big hand clap. Uh, come down this way, babe. a boy. Good job. So he returns to Judea, and he comes down to his, his final journey. 
And we look at some things and we see that Jesus begins to talk of his impending death. And he began, it began to become a theme as you begin to read through the scriptures, you'll see the impending death. And as he talked more about his impending death, do you realize there were more miracles? There were more signs. There were more wonders taking place over and over and over again. And he would meet with his disciples and he would talk with them about what was taking place. The time had come for Jesus to be delivered up. The time had come where he had entered in. The great confrontation had taken place between Jesus and the religious leaders of that day. The religious leaders didn't like what was taking place. They didn't like seeing the signs, wonders, and miracles. You know what else they didn't like? They didn't like Jesus call, calling the Father Daddy. We've gotten some feedback from some people. They don't like us calling God Daddy. They're going to have to deal with it. The religious leader of the day didn't like the intimate relationship that Jesus had with the Father. That's my daddy. Because the religious leaders of the day knew God of a far off, distant God. See what I mean? And Jesus is bringing in the kingdom of heaven, God's way of doing things. And all of a sudden, the relationship is moving closer and closer. Then there's the betrayal and the arrest. Remember the betrayal and the arrest? Judas, his plan began to go into effect. We begin to read about it and... And we see that Jesus is taken and arrested. And he's taken to trial before the Sanhedrin. That was the Jewish leaders. That was their council. And then he's moved from the trial of the Sanhedrin into the trial of Pilate. Remember Pilate? <laughs> he was the one that flew the plane to Egypt when they went to. Never mind. You never heard that one, Martin? How did they get to Egypt? They flew and Pontius was the pilot. Pontius Pilate. You'll get it later. It's tough, Mike. It's tough in here. <laughs> so we begin to see some things start to be put in place. We begin to see where Pilate, three times, said, I don't see anything in this guy. Are you sure you got the right guy? I'm paraphrasing. Are you sure you got the right guy? Because I've checked with him. I've talked with him. He hasn't done anything that's going to deserve death. And they kept saying, crucify him. Crucify him. Three different times, Pilate talked about releasing Jesus. Then he had him beaten. 39 stripes on his back. They put the crown of thorns on his head. And not only was he maimed and bloody, he was almost to the point of you couldn't even recognize it was a human being. Jesus, he's let out to carry the cross. But you see where we are? We're no longer the babe in the manger. We're no longer wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger needing nurturing love from the mother. We've moved into a place where there's only one person, one being God himself that can help Jesus. So the crucifixion takes place. He's nailed to the cross. He is nailed to the cross, listen to this, at 9 a.m. in the morning. And he died at three in the afternoon. It was unusual for someone to die so quickly on the cross of crucifixion. Because crucifixion was the worst death that anybody could ever go through. 
So we begin to see this begin to take place. And what does Jesus do while he's on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. After he had been through what he had been through, there was forgiveness released. They came to break his bones, and they didn't have to. I want you to get this. Because a lot of times we'll take communion and say, his body was broken for me. No, his body was not broken for you. That's not what the scripture says. The, body, the, the scripture says his body was given for me. Because on the cross, they broke the legs of the other two that were on the cross for crucifixion, came to Jesus, and he was already dead. They didn't have to break his legs. Do you know why they would break the legs? I know this is gruesome. They would break the legs because they were holding up the weight and the body and the organs were, were just suffering. And when they broke the legs, everything had to hang. And it was even a more crucial, gruesome, terrible, awesome oh, that they would go through. The organs inside the body, I won't go there, but the organs inside the body would, would, would have to then labor because everything that was taken, every breath was a labor. And he dies at 3 p.m. And we'll unpack this this year about his being put on the cross at 9 and dying at 3. So his resurrection. What about his resurrection? We, we can get to the cross and we can, all of a sudden we're looking at the cross and Jesus is on the cross. But I want to tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't just baby Jesus who was lying in a manger. When he went to the cross, he wasn't just the God that's on the cross. He came down off that cross. Come on, somebody. And there was the death, the burial, and there was the resurrection. Hallelujah. Jesus had prophesied that he would live again. The stone was rolled away. They went into the tomb, and he was gone. He wasn't there any longer. He was gone. Where did he go? And you would think that all the time that he had spent with his disciples that he would appear to them first. And guess who he appeared to first? A woman. <laughs> we got a few women that are all right with that, amen? He appeared first to a woman. And he told her. He's like, hey, I got to go to be with the Father. So he obviously was still ascending into the heavenly realms of the Father. And then when he came back, he told, he said, hey, Mary, before that, he said, Mary, I, I want you to go and you gather him. You tell him I'm going to come. I'm going to see him in Galilee. You know what happened? He came back and he taught the disciples for 40 days. And you know what the scripture says? The scripture says he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So we look at just Acts chapter 2 and we think that's when it came. I'm going to tell you that Jesus, he breathed on the disciples and they received the spirit of the living God even before Acts chapter 2. Come on somebody, hallelujah. I mean, you talk about being special. He took those disciples at that time. Now they were called the apostles and he breathed on them. And you know what he did? He gave them final instructions. He's like, okay, boys, here's the deal. <laughs> He's like, here's the deal. I'm going to go be with the Father, and unless I go, the Comforter can't come. So I'm going to go. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. 
So I'm going to give it to you. You go and make disciples of all nations. You baptize them in the, in the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You can lay hands on the sick. They're going to recover. You can cast out demons. He said, it's just as you've been given some stuff, just give it to others. Come on, somebody. Just as you've been loved, give that love back to you. So he began to say, hey, I'm going to bring in the kingdom of heaven, and that is a kingdom of love. It's driven by love. It's everything by love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved you so much that he gave his only thing. He had the only thing he had that was worth everything to him. He gave it to us. Hallelujah for Jesus. Come on, somebody. So the question I'm asking you today, are you here? Is this where we're at? Is this where we're going to stay? Because just like Jesus was called to, we were called to grow in wisdom, strength, stature. <laughs> huh? To grow. Jesus came, gave his life as a ransom for many. He said, Father, forgive them. If he says, forgive them, how can we ever hold any unforgiveness in our lives? If we're here, you can hold unforgiveness. If you're here, you got to release it. Not only do you have to release it, but I want to tell you the rest of the story. Will you put up some scriptures? The rest of the story in Mark chapter 16, verse 19. As we move into here, he said, So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received, what? Into heaven. And he did what? Sat down at the right hand of the Father. Where did Jesus go? Come on, where did Jesus go? So if somebody's going to say, well, Jesus is in California, you're going to say, no. He's at the right hand of the Father. No, no, he just showed up in Argentina. The Spirit may have showed up in Argentina. Come on, somebody. But you don't have to run to go see Jesus. You don't have to go here to see Jesus. You have to go there to see Jesus. You have to run different places to see Jesus because the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Next scripture. Let me, just, let me just bring this in. Romans 8, 34b said, Who is at the right hand of the Father who also was what? Intercedes for us. Then we can look at Ephesians 2, 6. And he basically says, And he raised us up with him and seated I didn't put this together, thank you. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. We're just, you know, God's throne is just so big. He's just so big. So there's God's throne, and Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says he's doing what? Interceding. Intercession is literally praying for somebody else. Where are you? If you are a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, my question to you is, where are you spiritually? Are you in the manger? Are you on the cross? Come on, everybody. Are you in the manger? Are you on the cross? If you are a believer, you're what? That's good news. <laughs> That's the good news. He says we're... Raised up. When Jesus died, 
and rose again, we died and rose again. And we're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So today, when we look at some things, what is your perspective on it? What is your perspective? Are you looking from the perspective of baby Jesus? Are you looking from the perspective of the cross? Jesus being, excuse me, being on the cross? Or are you looking with the perspective of him being off the cross? Are we looking from the perspective where we're seated with him in heavenly places? If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. I want to just look at two verses and then we're done. Where are you seated with Jesus? Are you at the manger? Are you at the cross? Are you in the throne? And the throne. We're in the throne. We're seated with him with heavenly places. See, that's why if we are seated with him in heavenly places, we can look at a position. We can look at a situation. We can look at a circumstance and know, I want Jesus involved. I want the wisdom of God involved. I want the, the strategies of heaven Involved? Are you with me? In my decision-making processes, in the things, does that mean I do everything right and every decision that I make is just like, you know, just all works? There's times where it doesn't work. Probably there's times where I didn't get heaven involved. Can I get an amen? Probably I didn't get the, the wisdom of Jesus involved. Probably where I didn't get those things involved. But Hebrews 12, 1, there it says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us what? Lay aside every... Uh, encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us and let us run the endu- with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 says this. It says, fixing our eyes upon baby Jesus. <laughs> fixing our eyes upon just the cross. Fixing our eyes upon Jesus himself. I got news for you. He's not here. He is not here. And if I'm going to fix my eyes upon where he is and who he is and the person and who he is, I've got to fix my eyes upon the throne of the living God because that's where Jesus is seated, hallelujah, until he returns again, until you go meet him, until he's there. You are looking upon Jesus. We're not looking here. We're not looking here. It's good to look at the cross. We need to see what the cross is. It's good to look at the manger. I don't say and discount the manger, but when we fix our eyes upon Jesus, He's the author and the perfecter. Some versions say the finisher of our faith who is the joy set before him. He in what? Endured the cross. He suffered what it took to suffer to bring forth what it was to bring forth with you. I look at some ladies that are pregnant in this place and they will suffer what it takes to endure the labor of that child in order to bring forth that child because it won't be long after they've had that birth that they don't think about the birth anymore. They just think about that little baby. Hallelujah. Come on, ladies. That's a good thing. Amen. You've endured that and you're like, whoa, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> I'm glad I've had to endure that. He endured the cross, despising its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. 
this Christmas season, all I'm asking is what are we viewing and how we're viewing ourselves? If I am royalty, if I am joint heirs with Jesus, then I'm not on the cross. I was on the cross with him, but now he's come down from the cross and he's seated at the throne and I am with him in heavenly places, seated with him. He ruling and reigning. Do you remember this? It's the unseen spirit of God living in the unseen spirit of man in the physical body, on the, in the scene, on the scene, on the earth. It's the unseen to the unseen, in the scene, on the scene. The unseen to the unseen, in the scene, on the scene. It's the spirit of the living God living in you. And if we will look to say, is it baby? Am I at the cross? <gasps> I'm in the throne then all things become possible to him that believe. Don't limit yourself because God's not limiting you. Don't limit you because you're the age of the fifth and sixth graders. God's not limiting them. They can still go to a parking lot and pray for somebody. I'm telling you, we're expecting to hear of some more signs, wonders, and miracles that are taking place because the same God them is the same God today. Hallelujah! Come on, let's give Jesus a mighty shout of praise. Hallelujah. So the question that I'm asking you today is where are we seated with him? And what are we looking at? Are we looking at problems from here? Or are we looking at problems from here? Whole nother story. But when Stephen was stoned, he didn't see Jesus sitting. He saw him standing. I was talking with another pastor friend of mine years ago, and he says, if you see Jesus standing, he's fixing to receive you. Because it was moments later that when Stephen saw Jesus not sitting but standing, he received him. Will you stand? <laughs> That just segue into that. I, I didn't plan that. It wasn't. We're not going to be here this next Sunday. You're going to be gathering at your homes. The truth is, they really don't know when Jesus was born. We celebrated at this time in this season. Okay, and it's amazing that the whole world is now talking about Christ. And some people don't like that. If the whole world was talking about Buddha or Muhammad or somebody else, we wouldn't be too nervous about it. But when somebody starts talking about Christ, that ought to tell believers that we're on the right track. That ought to tell non-believers that there's got to be something in this Jesus thing because why does anybody get upset with that? They don't get upset with Muhammad. But when you talk about Jesus, oh, no, don't do that. You know why? Because we're ruling and reigning with him. Are you ruling and reigning in every situation in your life? 
You may not be, but I'm here to tell you, if you'll shift from baby Jesus and you'll come through the cross and the sufferings that took place in the cross and we will see ourselves seated with him, there will be no sin, nothing that will hold you back. You will break out of everything that you want to break out of, decisions, quality, pornography, drugs, alcohol, addictions, bondage. If we're stuck here or we're stuck here, we can't get out of those things. But you start seeing yourself seated right there in heavenly places and the wisdom of God. and the righteousness of God and the holiness of God and the purity of God, all of a sudden those things will be just like fading away. Let's praise the Lord for Jesus. Amen? And what he's done for us.